Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. I'm so super excited because we have some very special guests on the show today. First up is Kiki Palmer. Kiki is an Emmy winner. She's a host. She's an actress. You know her from movies like Hustlers, Aquila and the Bee, and so much more. She's got a new book collection out through Amazon. You can also listen to it through Audible. She is everything to me. We talk about her career, which is so expansive. She has her sort of hands dipped into every pot, or what's that What's that saying? Put a hand covering every pot or whatever. I don't know what that saying is, but she's doing it, and I love her so much. I believe she's the most charismatic person in the industry. So we talk about her career. We talk a little bit about Bravo. We talk about Christmas movies. We mention it all. And speaking of Bravo, after my chat with Kiki, I have two friends who are on the show. Uh, Amy Phillips, who you guys know, she does all the impressions of The Real Housewives. She's got a radio show on Radio Andy. She teamed up with Chef Stuart O'Keefe, who's another friend of mine. He's a chef. They did a cookbook called Cook It, Spill It, Throw It, a Real Housewives parody cookbook, which you can pre-order now. Uh, we get into all the Bravo stuff with them because I know everyone's missing The Real Houses of Beverly Hills. This is the first week we don't have them on our air. So... I had to talk a little bit of Bravo this week. So I hope you guys enjoy the interviews as much as I did. Truly, Kiki is one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. I just, I I think she's the absolute best. So I'm going to play it for you now and I will leave you guys with both of these chats. I will put the interviews up on the YouTube channel as quickly as I can. And that YouTube is youtube.com slash Danny Pellegrino and the number one. You can buy all of their books. And speaking of books, you can pre-order my book, which is out March 8th of next year. You can order it on Amazon. Go to IndieBound.org if you want to order it from your local bookstore. I'll put a link in the episode description. Also, I want to thank Acast for all episodes of Everything Iconic. Go to Acast.com slash Everything Iconic. And wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you hit subscribe or follow so you get all episodes. And with all of that said, please enjoy my chat with Kiki Palmer, Amy Phillips, and Stuart O'Keefe. Love you all. I'm so excited. We have a true queen icon and legend here on the show today. We have Kiki Palmer, of course, Emmy winner. She's got a new collection out with Amazon Stories. Uh, Kiki, how are you today? I'm so good. It's good to talk to you, love. And I'm very much so hating on your clarity and your camera. I need to upgrade myself. Thank you. And I'm just looking at my hair. I'm like, is my hair okay? <laughs> my boyfriend put a new camera here and it's like, uh, it's it's high def. Yo, you look great. Oh, thank you. You always look beautiful. Kiki, I'm such a fan. I was just saying, I'm like a little nervous because I, what do we call ourselves? Kiki Palmer stands. What are we supposed to call ourselves? Do we have you a know name what? for it? It's so crazy because I don't know what the name would be. I, that's just like, we, we all the millennials, like we're just the, the kids. I, I don't know what I would, cause I'm not like Kikinators or that's too idealistic. So yeah. I don't know what we call ourselves. We got to figure it out. You you have your hand sort of in everything. Is there one thing within your career that you like the most? Like, do you love hosting the most, acting? I, I mean, what's your favorite part? I think it's different periods. I feel different things. Like, I definitely think growing up, it was like acting, acting, acting. 
Um, you know, or even before, I guess I say, uh, I started acting first, it was music and then acting kind of took over my mind. And then from there, it became like hosting. And I think I'm still very much so enjoying hosting and the opportunity to just be myself, uh, because sometimes it can get a lot when you're just acting all the time as other people. Um, but even more so, I think producing and just, you know, being in control of narratives that I want to tell, uh, you know, from a writer's perspective or a director's perspective has definitely become increasingly more of my interest as well. Right. You know, I remember falling in love with you when you were in Aquila and the Bee, and I was in college, and I was I was closeted at the time, but of course people should have known, because I dragged all my friends in college to go see Aquila and the Bee off campus, because I was like, I was like, you guys got to see this. Like, there's this new young woman in here that's amazing, and Angela Bassett's so good, and I made people watch it, and then they replayed it on our campus channel over and over again. And I mean, all the other guys on my dorm floor were like, you know, trying to hook up with girls, and I was like, you guys, let's watch Aquila and the Bee again. <laughs> well, first of all, you are very impressive because, I mean, literally, I mean, just the fact that you usually parents have to get people to watch Aquila and yeah. the Bee. So the fact that you wanted to watch it on your own is like, yes. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. What was what was that like? I mean, Angela Bassett, who's of course incredible, and that was I was that your first role or one of your first roles? That was one of my first roles, definitely my first starring role. Because before then I had done like a couple of bit parts and I did a supporting role in a movie that I did with William H. Macy for TNT. Um and Aquila and the Bee, I think there was like one scene that I wasn't in. So it was definitely the most heaviest load. And it was exciting, but also nerve-wracking. Like I love working with you know kids because I hadn't been in school, regular school for a, for a while. Um, you know, I was still kind of new to the industry. So to be on the set that I could actually hang out with kids my age was definitely my number one, like, excitement. And then second to that was obviously working with, you know, <laughs> Angela Bassett and, and uh, you know, Lawrence Fishburne, because even though I was a kid, I still had watched What's Love Got to Do With It. So I loved them both. And obviously, I also watched The Matrix. So I was a little bit also scared of Lawrence as well. <laughs> But he was awesome. And Angela was really helpful for me with acting and stuff like that. I got a lot of, you know, coaching from her where it wasn't like she was trying to coach me, but I just was learning from her. She really was definitely a mentor. And same for Lawrence. I remember uh, there was a day where I was like being a, a real kid and kind of like laughing at his performance because it was making me uncomfortable. Because as a kid, you know, when you see an adult cry, especially a guy, you can be kind of like, mm -hmm, you know, <laughs> and so I was being like, like very goofy. I would never forget. He was like, you cannot do that. You have to be professional for your fellow actors. And like really called me to be kind of like, you know, a mature performer as opposed to just treating me like a kid. It was nerve wracking at the time. But looking back, I'm so grateful that he that he was that real with me because I think it made me a better a better actor, especially to my co-stars. Right. You mentioned what's love got to do with it and the Matrix. And we we cover a lot of nostalgia on this show. And I wondered, like, when you were around that age, or, or just when you were younger, like, what were your favorite movies growing up? Like, were there some that you just watched over and over again, or still watch over and over again? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I have tons of them. So I mean, I love watching uh, Bring It On. I can watch Bring It On back to back to back to back to back. Uh, Miss Congeniality. Um, Wish Upon a Star, which is actually so low key. It's such a like low key decom, uh, you know, from back back in the day. I think. Wait, who was it? Was that Catherine Heigl? Bingo, Catherine okay, okay. Heigl. That was way back in the day. I could watch Wish Upon a Star literally back to back to back. Um, I also love a movie called The Wood, which is written by Rick from UI, who did uh, also Dope. Um, I mean, there are so many, but those are just some of my favorites. To name a few, like that I can replay and replay. 
Uh, since we're talking about acting, I got to touch on Hustlers for a second. Did you guys have, obviously, J-Lo deserved the Oscar for that, right? She was so good at that. Man, she was so good. Like, but, what, you know, okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we we all still saw it, and, and it was great. But did you guys have, like, a text thread? Like, what was going on here? Like, why didn't J-Lo get the nom? Like, what I was- definitely was talking to my girl, Elaine, um, who is, has been Jennifer's uh, producing partner for years since Made in Manhattan. She's awesome, and we had a lot of fun. Another doing- classic movie, too, Made in Manhattan. Sorry. I mean, yeah. And, 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 to, and to note that Jennifer has been producing and creating opportunities for herself and other women for years. So um, love her for that. But, yeah, I remember telling Elaine, like, we all knew. like, But at the end of the day, to your point, Danny, we were like, hey. People saw the movie. They loved it. It made an impact definitely in in, in this genre, in this era of pop culture. So we were cool with it. Yeah, I mean, what a good movie that was. And you're popping up on Insecure now, too, which I, I'm obsessed with Insecure. And I know you're a big fan. And I'm curious, who do you want Issa to end up with? Do you Or do you want Nathan? Do you want Lawrence? Do you want neither? I love Nathan as a person because he's also a friend of mine, as is Jay Ellis. Uh, Jay Ellis and Kendrick are both friends of mine. However, I need her to end up with Lawrence. Lawrence, 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 because she was the reason why her and Lawrence got all messed up. So I need for her to make amends with this and give my man Lawrence a chance again. I know he got a baby, but hey. Uh, It's such a good show, though, and it was so exciting to watch you pop up there. Oh, man, I don't even know where to go. I just have so many questions for you. It's like, there's so many things to talk about. You're in the old Navy campaign. I want to know, like, what, do you have any favorite Christmas movies or something? I love seeing, I'm a holiday junkie, so I love seeing that. I have so many things I want to ask you. So first of all, we can always say the classic, right? It's a Wonderful Life. That's always been my dad's favorite. We have to watch that with him every year. Outside of that, absolutely love The Grinch, you know, the Jim Carrey version. That's forever iconic. I don't know if anybody can. Okay, but isn't it a little unhinged with the baby Grinch and everything? (laughs) (laughs) It's a little. I feel like I have to watch that as an adult because I'm sure there are tons of adult jokes that I absolutely missed. But like, that's obviously a favorite. But the one that goes underrated, under the radar, which maybe I, I have a feeling that maybe you might know what it is, but it's a play on Scrooge and it's called A Diva's Christmas Carol starring Vanessa Williams. And that, honey, just little sleigh bells ringing in a ring, ding, 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 ding. What about yeah. Heartquake? What about Heartquake from Diva's yeah. Christmas Carol? Danny, why did I know? Do I feel a heartquake? Heart when are they going to release Heartquake? Like, it's not available on Spotify, that version with Chili, who, of course, you played in the DLC biopic. Yes! And Vanessa Williams singing a song called Heartquake. It's not available. That movie is so freaking good. So good. It's so good. And it's like, it's just got all the things you need. And they play, they used to play it every single year on Life, Lifetime, I think it is, or whatever. And my sister and I will be sitting there. We fell upon it one Christmas, and we were addicted from that moment forward. I love you so much, Kiki. Um, okay, so this uh, you're doing this collection, which I love that Amazon is doing this, where they're doing sort of like pieced out stories, like a book in pieces that you can listen to on Audible. I was listening uh, this morning. It just came out today, actually, on yeah. Audible. Uh, but you can also read it. Tell people about this project. Yeah, so it came from, like, I kind of run my Instagram page like a network or like SNL, for instance, where I'll do a a pilot, a character or a sketch. And, you know, I'll see how my audience is like really kind of, you know, uh, you know, being entertained by it. And I might continue it or I'll build it out to a bigger storyline like I did with Turned Up with the Taylors for Facebook. 
um, for my character, Chelsea Bobby Taylor. So for a long time, I was always trying to find a, some, a family to collaborate with and build out the story of Lady Miss Jacqueline that came from the sketch Southern Belle Insults. And I finally got my opportunity with Amazon Original Stories. And I was excited because I was like, you know, finally, we need to give them a chance to know who is the Janet that she's always insulting. Like you always hear Janet in the back. I'm like, well, Janet, but Janet's like, oh, you know, Janet's all in the back. Like, you know, you don't know who she is. So I was like, what would be great with uh, the Southern Bells collection that we can do with Amazon is actually go into the world of Janet and actually, you know, let's have Lady Miss Jacqueline kind of narrate this story and let's add this whims and this mystical element to it. Because one thing that we know for sure with the character Janet is that she doesn't have a lot of confidence and she's always letting Lady Miss Jacqueline read her for filth. And so I thought, how cool would it be if we create this story where we're going on this journey with Janet of how she discovers how to own herself, how she discovers her inner feminist, how she discovers her her voice and her ability to communicate with all different people, how she discovers her boldness and her ability to just kind of love freely. And let's do it in the world of wigs. Let's have these wigs kind of play this conduit like Jim Carrey's The Mask and have these wigs give her the permission to kind of transform. And so that's really what the book is about, what the collection is about. And like I said, it's mystical. It has fantasy elements. But really, ultimately, the message is don't be afraid to try something new um, and don't be afraid to allow yourself to kind of get loose and be free because you never know what you can discover and you never know who it's going to bring into your life. These Southern Belle characters that you've created on your social media, who were they inspired by? Is there a little, like a little Phaedra Parks in there somewhere? That I'm- <laughs> oh my gosh. I think Phaedra is one person that I did not I- think about when coming up with Lady Miss. Like initially Lady Miss came from my just extra out personality that Max was tapping into, uh, which is my producing partner. We create a lot of these things together. Uh, but then eventually, I think I realized that a lot of the influences came from people that influenced me growing up on television, like our favorite show, Sister Sister with Jack A. Harry or, you know, Jennifer Lewis and all the many great roles that she played. I think those women are great comps for, you know, the kind of things that I pull out uh, to play Lady Miss Jacqueline. But then when it comes to Chelsea Barbie Taylor, I kind of always wrestled with the thought of what would it be like? to be a black girl with a mom and dad that's Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. (laughs) What does that mean for your life? How does that then create the scenario for identity and culture or, you know, what you look like and what you're supposed to quote unquote act like, especially as a black person where, you know, people are kind of always thinking being black is a monolith. You got to listen to hip hop. You got to be into this. You got to be into that. And so that came from just literally my idea, my my idea to kind of break down the ideology of what it means to be black Um, And I created this character, Chelsea Barbie Taylor, who is pretty much opposite of anything that you would consider to be a stereotype. Um, And, you know, that was just like, that's how that came out. And then with Carrie and um, Sophie, they came out of the storyline. So I had both Lady Miss Jacqueline and Chelsea Barbie Taylor as standalone characters. And then when I started writing the book, I said, okay, you know what? We need to have a couple of more characters uh, to help fill out this messaging of the story and the point that I want to get across. And so Carrie came about because I needed a bold, strong character to help break down some of the walls that Janet was still holding up uh, once we got to the third or fourth part of the uh, of the storyline. Um, and then Sophie was her balance. Because for me, I think, 
I've always got to remind myself to have balance in my life, to to have gratitude for where I am, to be, you know, to have grace for others in my Mm -hmm. life, to have patience with myself, um, because there's so many things I'm always trying to do and putting so much pressure on myself. So that character was meant to 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 fulfill that space um, in in, in Janet's narrative uh, over her course of her journey in the book. I love that. I think people are going to like it. You mentioned Jack Hay, and I wonder, I, I love Sister Sister too. And she, to me, uh, is one of the funniest. She was in a movie called Ladybugs, which you don't got to get into, but she's so funny in everything she does. But that I remember being obsessed with as a kid. Uh, is there one person in the industry or, or a handful that are sort of like your North Stars or who you sort of are, are modeling your career after? Are you, I, I know you're also really blazing your own path doing all of these wonderful things, but I wonder who are your heroes career wise? Oh, it's such a good question. I think one of them would be like Tyler Perry, um, because I love what Tyler Perry has done, obviously, as a writer, as a director, as a producer, as a studio owner. I mean, he has blown my mind. I've never seen anybody do that outside of like Walt Disney. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I haven't really seen anybody be willing to make those many leaps um, in that way and really kind of have their own thing that they can like continue to create from. That level of freedom is very inspiring um, as a creative. So Tyler is definitely an inspiration I would also say people like, you know, Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy, Um, Eddie Murphy, obviously, because I love I love his comedy. I love the different characters he plays. But I also love the way that he's always taken something old and made it made it new again. Like a lot of my friends don't even know he didn't really originate Dr. Doolittle or, you know, Nutty Professor. So the fact that he's a historian of comedy and he's able to also take those things and still make them his own. Wow, absolutely, um, you know, incredible. And then, of course, uh, you know, people like the likes of Oprah Winfrey or Dick Clark, you know, or Carol Burnett, more people that kind of really have owned that hosting space and made it their own. And I really say Dick Clark as well, because he's created things that live on after him. And I think that's the important thing, too, for me, like as a, when I think about myself growing as somebody that's also behind the scenes is creating stuff for the generation to run away with. You know, where when I'm long gone, y'all still doing the such and such awards or y'all are still doing, you know, this, this Christmas special. You know, so I look forward to, you know, being able to kind of branch off to do those kind of things as well. I need you to do a Christmas special. Now I'm just thinking about it. Like, are you going to do it? What's Honey. happening? <laughs> Honey, me, Matt, are on it. Okay, because I feel like, yeah, a good variety. I, I don't know what it'd be, a variety. I, but also, you can sing, you can do it all. I, we need it. We could have a visit from Lady Miss during the show. I mean, we're oh my ready. God, we need it. Okay, um, I want to talk uh, about me- memes. You're it's such an iconic meme. There, I mean, there's a bunch of memes that you're sort of a part of. And I wonder, specifically the Vanity Fair, the sorry to this man, which has become such a moment. How do you feel about that now? Because... It's everywhere. Are there times you wish you could erase it? Do you do you like it? Like what what do you think now that you see it all the time? You know, I I really do embrace it. I honestly do embrace this. Every now and then I'm like, okay, please don't force me to say it. Cause sometimes I'll see a fan out and they'll be like, yeah. and I'm like, please don't. <laughs> Sorry to this man. You know, sometimes I'm like, okay, I don't know if I'm gonna give you the same <laughs> the same performance right now because I'm off the clock, but Outside of that, I really do love it because I think memes are the one place that, first of all, I'm, I, I love memes. I've loved memes since before I became the millennial diva meme. Um, I've always had found joy in them because I think it's how we all relate to each other. Um, and especially sometimes as an entertainer and when you've been doing it as long as I've been doing it, there can kind of be this perception of who you are, your life as a celebrity and this. But really, I'm just a theater kid. I'm just an artist person that you know that does this for a living. It's really not much more than that. 
But obviously, there's so many perceptions that come with the lifestyle and the presentation of the entertainment industry that can be quite annoying. And so when it comes to the memes, I feel like that's the one time in the space where my audience can really see me as they see themselves. So the fact that, you know, that's a place where they feel like they can identify with me just as we normally identify with one another beyond whatever I do as an entertainer, it's very special. And so I, I really uh, appreciate and embrace that. I'm so impressed by you. When you go to bed at night, is there one dream that is superseding right now in your career? Like, is there one, is it like a, a movie role? Like, oh, I really want to do that movie role or, or, or that, uh, the holiday special or whatever it is. Like, is there one that lately you're... I think it's really just going into that producing role and really yeah. being somebody that can get things greenlit, that can create opportunities for other people. Like, I've been doing this for 20 years and I'm always going to love to perform. I'm always, that's always going to be a place where I can escape. And, you know, I enjoy, it's just, it's a big part of who I am, but I really also look forward to being behind the camera, you know, discovering talent, you know, writing more scripts. You know, I wrote my first script, directed my first uh, project this year, and I really loved it. It really was relaxing. And it was so cool because when I did Nope with Jordan, that was the thing Jordan I was talking Peele, about. Jordan which, Peele. Yeah, the amazing Jordan Peele. Yeah, that we just did. So, yeah, we just did Nope, um, you know, which we just finished a couple of months ago. And I remember asking him because obviously I was a fan of, of Key and Peele and I'm still a fan of Key and Peele and the things that he's done as an actor um, and a performer. And I was like, Jordan, do you ever think that you will do some more, you know, on camera stuff again? And he was like, ah. You know, the, the feeling that I get from being able to create opportunities to write and get these ideas across, it's the same feeling, but even more. And I get to have a normal life. And I was just like, yeah, that's the North Star to be able to still create, to tell stories. Oh, my gosh. To just be able to be on the set and still be active, but to be hanging with the crew and being in the background. That's something that very much so excites me. Uh, you know, I was a big fan of your talk show with Sarah and Michael, and uh, I'm a talk show junkie in general, but what it, was there one lesson or, or a couple lessons that you learned from your time on that show in terms of hosting? Um, I mean, yeah, I think I'm always learning. I mean, I, I love Michael and to see how he has been able to just withstand and, 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 and make a life for himself as a host after football. I think the friendship that we uh, created through that experience is something that I'll always uh, keep with me. And the same thing with Sarah Haynes. I absolutely adore Sarah as well. I think I always learned to remain curious, not to force a message. If I don't have anything to say, if I don't have a particular statement, I don't have to force it. I can be honest with that. And to just always lead with authenticity, um, you know, which is something I've always known. But I think it was something that I saw be taken very positively when I did that show in a way that I did not expect. Um, so it was just a kind of a constant reminder to just be myself, you know, to, to, to be myself and to also prepare, you know, I think pre-preparation is something that happens a lot with hosting and it's something that lends itself as a hand for me when it comes to improv and all of my different hosting elements. It's just that pre, that pre mind rolling of what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? Or what are, you know, that kind of thing, it, it helps that skill of improvisation. Uh, Kiki, I think you're doing Watch What Happens Live tonight. Do, are you a Housewives fan? I sure am. Okay, what do you think of the Jen? Are you watching Salt Lake City? What do you think of the Jen Shaw? So wait a minute. I, I'm th I'm I watch the Beverly Hills. Okay, tell me about bit. Erica Jane. What do you believe, Baby yeah. Jane? What do you think? So this is my my thing with Erica Jane is that it, it's so sad, right? Because you never know 
what somebody's going to respond in a, in a horrific scenario. And it's honestly never usually what other people expect. I mean, we can look at stories in the news where somebody was crying terribly and it turns out they did kill their kid. And you're like, wait a minute, that so that was just a performance? Mm. So I feel for Erica Jane in the regard where her emotions are not matching the scenario to people. And therefore, they don't believe that she is, you know, what she's saying is true and honest. But honestly, you don't know how you're going to react in, in a horrible situation. And you know, I kind of feel that they're expecting so much from her. And I, I kind of feel her point when she's saying that, hey, you know, you guys should comfort me and be there for me and, you know, not be so quick to kind of try to look for the loopholes. But at the same time, that is the part of the game. I mean, we it is the housewives. So right. what did you expect? And she's too mean, though, too. Like, that's where I kind of find the disconnect. Because when she's calling Sutton the name in the reunion, I'm like, well, Okay, I if I want to help me help you kind of thing like Yeah, it's like she doesn't realize that the reason why people are coming so hard on her is because she's already been such a stuck up type of person. Being an asshole. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, okay, I know I got to let you go, so I'm just going to run through lightning round. Lightning round questions. Um you, you played Chili in the TLC biopic Amazing. What's your what's the best TLC song? Ooh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um Oh my gosh, my mind is blanking. I'm thinking digging on you or red digging light special. On you. Yeah, digging on Period. you. Period. Right? That was literally, I was literally thinking about about Chili when she had that bridge part. That's why I did my hair like that. <laughs> digging on you is so digging on me. Digging oh, the so good, so good. I mean, it's just too good. Um, okay, Scream Queens reboot. There's like sort of rumors. Would you do it? Um, sure, sure. Because they ain't gonna have to have more lines, love. Right. Um, I know, right. Uh, how was that set? Was everyone nice on that set? That set was very much so a Scream Queen set, honey. We was giving you life and life and life. The T after T after T. I love those girls still to this day. I, I love them. I seen her right before she um, had her child. And I was just like, I can't believe, girl, that the time is going by so fast like this to the point where you already about to pop out a baby. We've known Crazy. each other for years. And so it was great to work on that show with her and the other girls. Right. Um, okay. I ask all of my guests these next two questions. Your favorite Mariah Carey song. And if you were choosing for People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive, which I believe is being announced today or tonight, the new one, uh, as of this recording, who would you choose? Mm, okay. So the first answer that I'll say is, um, um, oh my gosh, what'd you, oh, always be my baby. Not to sound so typical. No, it's good. Um, but always be my baby. And the sexiest man alive. It had to be my man. No, it's got to be someone famous, Kiki. Come on. People don't want to... I mean, I'm sure your man is sexy. I don't know what he looks like. I'll have to look... Uh, I'll be looking after we're done here. But if it's got... You if you got to choose... I'm in trouble. Um, okay. So who would it be? Who would it be? Who would be the sexiest man alive? Oh, my gosh. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna, I don't mean to just play it safe like this. But I think we've all known that this man has been the sexiest man alive since the 90s. Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I even like I, people are hard on him as he's getting older, but I like like the older version. It's of, like at the end of the day, let the man age. First yeah. of all, I'm thrilled and excited about him possibly doing the Jim Jones movie. Yeah, that that'll be good. Would definitely be Oscar again because. Oh, I loved I loved your changing point of view on the Titanic movie too. There was like yeah. this whole thing that was happening online, so I like that you reevaluated. You know why? Because I saw it again and I was like, I didn't I forgot that my girl did something I would never do. The fact that she went back in there with the water up to her neck like this, trying to save that man's life like that. 
she really loved him. And that's when I was like, sis, I'm gonna back up off you. Right. That was nice of you. Kiki, I love you so much. You're the best. You're the most charismatic, wonderful human in the entertainment industry. And I can't wait to see what you do next. Everyone's got to check out on Amazon Audible. Check out Kiki's uh, collection of stories on there. Uh, Follow Kiki on social media. And I can't wait to see you in Nope uh, and everything you do. Kiki, love you. Thank you so much. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y.com slash everything iconic. We have two buddies here on the show. The authors of Cook It, Spill It, Throw It, The Real Housewives parody cookbook. Uh, Amy Phillips and Stu O'Keefe. Stu and Amy, how are you guys doing? Hi. Hello, Danny. So good to see you. We're doing so great. I love you both. I'm so excited you're here. You got this new book out. I want everyone to get it. It's lots of great recipes. We're going to talk about it in a minute. But before we get into any of the book stuff, which everyone needs to pre-order buy, get it. Um, (laughs) I want to ask you guys about some housewives stuff. So first of all, I guess I'll start with you, Amy. Uh, Salt Lake City, the Jen Shah Charest. How are you feeling about everything? I love it. I just love it. Um, no, I just can't even believe we're watching this unfold in front of our eyes, Danny. Um, and you know, watching it, the actual arrest happen when you saw the SWAT team enclose upon that sprinter van, if you will, 
Um, I just got vibes of like Terminator 2, the T-1000 out the window looking for Arnold Schwarzenegger. It was just like, this is really happening. And with the music crescendo, I didn't think that I could be that emotionally moved. Like I was watching an action movie, but I was, I mean, I couldn't believe it. Um, I don't want our housewives to go to jail. Uh, you know, right. you know, we want them like just close enough to jail, but like not yeah. actually <laughs> in jail. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I'm a little concerned that scene with Stuart, um, not this Stuart. Yeah, the, the, the other, the Stuart. other Stuart. What? You guys sort of have a Jen and Stuart vibe going on too. I guess. Oh God! You're working with a you Stuart too. That's a good point. Um, Do you call Stuart uh, Stu Chains over there? Stu <laughs> <Yes>, Chains. <laughs> You're the Stu Chains, and you know what, Stuart? Everything I do, I've sacrificed so that the employees of the businesses of the companies in which the employees inside. I got your back. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. thank you very much. Just don't throw me under the bus uh, under the uh, Sprinter van when we go to court. Yeah, the whole thing crazy. was wild, wild, and I can't even believe that we're in some sort of world where we're watching it. And I think. I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I often will find myself being sort of disconnected from it in a way where I think it's almost like scripted. And then there'll be certain moments, whether I'm talking about it on the show or, or somewhere else where I'm like, oh, wait, this is like a real life thing that's happening. That's really fucked up. Yeah. Uh, and like when Whitney was like, is this a prank? I was like, oh, yeah, that's what it that's what I would have said, too. You know, in all the reality show, they like to do their pranks and. And I would have thought the same thing. It's, it's, it's just bizarre. There's two of them going on. Like right. two real life stories. Right. It's not like this like misconstrued, like little kind of Bravo produced little thing. Mm-hmm. It's just, I know it's wild. Stu, the listeners are listening to your accent and you haven't been on this show in a while. It's been but a while, you, yeah. You had been on and everyone always loved when you came on because of that gorgeous Irish accent. So <laughs> I don't, half the time I don't even know what you're Bye. saying. I'm just enjoying because I'm it's uh, just letting it wash all over me because I love it so much. <laughs> uh, you're too so nice, Danny. You're embarrassing. I'm just sweating. I want to take off my jacket. Stu, Stu, Stu you, mentioned, you mentioned Beverly Hills, Stu. What did you think of the bamboozle Jane of it all? Were you on her side by the end of it? Did you, what did you think of all? I've been like, just like thinking about this all morning of like what I would say when this comes up in interviews or, or whatnot. And it's like, it's like, I always liked her and stuff like that, but it's just, she really, and like not to be harsh, but like, to me, it's just like, she's so fucking unbearable to watch and the way she's answering those questions. And it's just like, I don't give a fuck. And it's like, I know she said like, there are no rules for this. There are no rules. I'm like, yeah, there is. You don't have to be an asshole. Like answer them. Like, decently and just like with some like thought behind them but it's just like it's just like a dinosaur just like coming for you like anytime you ask she's like you know you could have come to me you could have come to me and it's like no we couldn't like, i'm really approachable it's like what <laughs> also yeah, it's no excuse it's no excuse that this is like only because of this whole thing that you're acting this way because we've seen it so many seasons when she snaps she snaps at people and so it's like She's saying there's no plate, there's no roller duck, or I can't. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> um, yeah, the rule book was out the window when you were yelling at Teddy about pretend amnesia, or mm-hmm. or you don't know what I go through every night. Like we, <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time. Amy, do you? How do you feel? Are you on her side? Um, no, I. I mean, I'm on. I'm on the law's side. No, I. Um, I just. I. I'm kind of thinking about Eric, and I'm going. Help me, help you. I want to root for you. I have yeah. been trying from the beginning to really because tr- I don't like the mob mentality 
of the Bravo sphere, the Bravo fandom, trying to take her down immediately. I did not like that. So I kind of leaned into, let's just see what happens, you know? And every week I'm like, come on, help me, help you. And it's just a letdown because she is like Stuart said, you know, she hasn't been approachable and her, her whole, my other thing is like, why are you even on this season? You can't really speak to it. You just can't. And the things that you're saying, um, you can't say the word victim. We know that now. Um, And you also can't really tell us what happened. And you're trying to protect Tom. And I get that. Like, I actually understand what she's trying to do, but there's a way to do it without being like Stuart said, an asshole. And that is so disappointing. Um, Mm. Is it so incredible to watch? Yes. So I can't be mad at that aspect of it, you know? Um, But I also hold the cast really, really responsible in this as well. I think leaving Erica aside for a second, I'm like, where is everybody with the questions? You know, we had to get to a four part reunion where Andy had to ask all the questions because you guys didn't. Yeah. But I also think that Erica's like, wasn't going to answer anyone's questions anyway. So it's a little bit of a, you know, an oxymoron there. Um, I think that Sutton got close. I think Garcelle got close, but just not enough, nowhere near where they should have been. You know, we, they should have been tipping her over with questions. They should have been way more aggressive with her because she was aggressive with them and they should have matched her energy, quite frankly. And I'm disappointed in the cast. Yeah, I feel the same way. I think the way that she was speaking to some people, even in the reunion when she called Sutton the see you next Tuesday, which was just like so below the belt. And and it just, I felt like, why isn't anyone, even if Sutton, because I I understand if you're on the receiving end of that, you're, I would be a little shook up. You know, I'm not a confrontational person. So like, I, I might be uncomfortable, but for the other women, it's like, why don't they say you can't fucking talk to her like that like right. step in. like stop it it's rude it's mean and so even i always i keep thinking like taking out the legality of it and and like the right. actual crimes that we're talking about it's just no matter what the situation is you, you just shouldn't be allowed to talk to anybody like that it's like right. just unacceptable it, it, i just thought yeah i i mean here's the thing it's like Good TV though. That, i was so shocked that nobody stuck up just like don't fucking talk to her like that like what are you talking but then it's like, I feel like Bravo cut out a lot of stuff too, because then you had that beautiful little kind of argument between Garcelle and Erica that was really, I think, should have been in there. Mm-hmm. I love the way you well, say I, Erica. <laughs> Erica. Erica. And so like... Say it again. Say it again. But uh, so I feel like, was there other clips that we missed that maybe that something did snap back at her and be like, don't talk to me like that. I just felt like something was uber quiet yeah. through the whole thing, which was yeah. really weird. It was weird because it was like Andy took the role of all the housewives and had to ask the questions. And um, I, you know, I think that Erica has a problem with women. And again, it's, look, we all have our issues. I got plenty of them. Okay. But that's not what this podcast is about. But <laughs> well, I we just, could make it about that, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I just think that it was almost like, she was never going to answer anyone's questions that to, to, she wasn't going to speak to a woman about it, you know, and it took a man to come in and ask her those tough questions, a man of authority, her boss, Andy Cohen, daddy, Andy, to ask the questions that she was actually going to answer them. But the women could have just as easily asked her these questions. Um, 
I don't think she should have been at the summit within with the housewife summit, you know, and Erica saying that she should have been there. Well, no, because you did run away the last time we tried to talk. So you can't play both sides. And that's, what's so confusing is Mm. that she is, she's like walking two different paths and expecting us to go along with it. It is a real mind bender. And it's frustrating as a viewer. I loved three. I thought the reunion was great. I think this all all has been great entertainment, like taking aside the reality of it. Uh, but then looking back on the reunion after we've had some time away from it, there are a few things I, I didn't even realize people were writing me and saying like, oh, they do you realize they never talked once about the documentary on Hulu? And I get that's a different network, oh. but it was like such a big thing yeah. that was never. Yeah. Asked all. And it's like, why didn't we even at least like broach it? I've heard Andy in interviews say that there wasn't much credibility to it because of sort of some of the people involved and. But I still feel like it was such like a cultural, which I know he sort of has to say that too. Well, I think he was referring to Danielle Staub, but. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I think, and on some level, he probably has to say that because it's a different network. I understand that. But I felt like it was such a cultural moment that probably more people watch that documentary than watch a week of this television show. And so why don't we at least broach it? And then even the, the snowing thing oh that was the like, biggest I'm not disappointment. Talking about it. that yeah. was the biggest disappointment of the whole thing i was like we don't even get an answer about the snow at least That's- say like why can't we talk about it like why didn't anyone why didn't anyone on the stage no one on the stage said what do you mean we can't talk about it she just said oh we're not going to talk about that we're not going to talk about that it and it was like, end of story. When yeah. no one bring it up again, it's like, no, this is what the reunions are for. It's you keep you going until the, until and the that's argument where comes and so the forth. other housewives should have like enclosed, just like the SWAT team did on that sprinter van at Beauty Lab and Laser. They should have enclosed <laughs> on her. That was the opportunity they had. Andy was there. They had backup. You know, this is it. And I feel like they kind of all blew it in in a sense. You know, they were, I think Sutton kind of gave up and I don't blame her for it. Mm. I think she was kind of like, I can't get through her and I get it. So, but Garcelle, I I love that she, she spoke up more. I would have loved to have seen her spoke, speak up even more, especially when Erica called her see you next Tuesday, because Garcelle has said things like, I wish I would have come to Mm -hmm. Sutton's defense at Kathy's dinner. Well, you can come to her defense now. And so can you, Kyle. And so can you, Dorit. So can anybody. And that's what was really frustrating. Like they all know that like Sutton did ask like the right questions. They were not going to, but they knew everything she was asking was like spot on. And they were delighted that she was asking all these things. Well, the Rena Rena of it all was very frustrating to me too, to watch. I don't know. There's just certain moments where she was very clearly defending her friend and not I respect that on some certain bizarre level, mm. but it was frustrating. You know, I agree. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She can't talk she about it. Can't talk about it. Didn't make her own it. You guys, I want to switch gears to the real houses in New York. We'll start with you, Amy. Where do you think it goes from here? There's all these rumors. There's all this stuff in the press about what's going on in New York. Where do you want to see it go? I know. I've been really uh, interested. I, I was surprised to hear all the rumors about uh, the, the the official complaints about Ramona's racism comment that she made about Ebony um, and that that is what s- slowed down the reunion and then ultimately came, it brought it to a close that why it wasn't happening. Um, 
And I thought, I think that we should have been the judge and jury of all of that, that they should have given us a reunion, even though I feel like a hypocrite because, you know, we all ripped that season to shreds and then we're like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. Mm. And then we're like, where's our reunion? So it's a little <laughs> That's bit of- all right. That's all right. I agree. Thank you. We can be, we can flip and flop. Um, and in the future, I am so, so curious what they're going to do. I honestly would think that if there was ever a time, I know we say this a lot where they're like, wipe the slate clean and bring a whole new cast. I mean, I don't always agree with that. In fact, I usually don't agree with that. But in this case, maybe this is the time to do it. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think this would be a good time. Although we've had such great times with these women, there's just a a weird sort of uh, the whole vibe of the whole thing. And I I don't know if you guys have been hearing, Bethany has started talking about Roni on her podcast a little bit. And Mm -hmm. she said something, somebody sent me a clip where she, she basically said she would come back if, if they did sort of wipe the slate clean and it could go back to the way it used to be. And, you know, she, she did. I did not know. What that. does that mean? Like she, the way she, she was explaining, I didn't hear the entire thing. I only heard a small segment, but she was saying where it's not so much glam squad, where it's more pared down the way it was early Roni. And, and I also her. think what she was also trying to say is like, and let me control the casting, like let me yeah. bring right. in the, you know, I think that was kind of the, the vibe I got from it. And I have a, you know, Bethany, I, I can go back and forth with Bethany. I don't sure, always sure, sure. think she, she's the yeah. best, but at the same time, it does a, know that's it all. Sort of that's frustrating about it though. At the end of the day, she usually does know it all. And I hate that, but it's sometimes true. Yeah. Like the fact that she even knew about Erica, like, it's like, she was right about that. It's like, damn you, Bethany. <laughs> yeah. I, but I, a clean slate would be good, but I also would love to, I'd love Dorinda back. I'd love their... I, I'm, I'd like to know more about Ebony and see her again, I think in a different kind of, with a different, uh, or, or a different kind of group would be more interesting. I think the whole season was just really fucked up with COVID. It was bad. Yeah, that's was- what I'm saying. And it's like, can you really judge it as a season because of COVID? Because there was so little they could do. Like they're all like in these apartments with yeah. three of them every night. It's like, let's go to Salem. Let's go to Salem. It was claustrophobic and the, the cast was too yeah. Also, I do have a problem with the fact that they brought Heather on. Heather had never signed the contract. And so it was like, let's sign, let's have everyone sign their contracts before we film. So that way we don't just lose someone because then she could just leave. That's what she, that's what she did. She just decided you know, I didn't want to do it anymore, but she was great on there for the few episodes we had her. Like I loved her on there. Cause it really mixed things up a bit and made it more interesting again. And I like, I was yeah. disappointed yeah. that she left so early for sure. Yeah. Hey, guys, this book, tell me about this book. Now it's a cookbook. Explain to people what it is. So it's a cookbook. It's, <laughs> it's called cook. It's a throw it. So it's a cookbook based off the housewives, fun recipes based on the iconic moments. Amy explains it really good. You go explain it. Uh, this well, better be good, Amy. Now oh my you, God, you I'm really on the spot. It's a send up. It's a send up. <laughs> it's a parody. It is a tribute to the Real Housewives. You know, it's wild because we, uh, Stuart came up with this idea, brought me along for the journey. And, you know, you think about it and it makes so much sense. Food, drink, housewives. It all happens at the dinner tables, at the restaurants, with the drinks in the hand, when they're drunk. So those moments are always inspiring the drama and and they really get messy. So these are recipes based on actual housewives themselves that are we just love. And it's a celebration of that. And also just amazing moments, legendary moments in the history of housewives that we bring to light, that we connect with food. I mean, for example, we've got 
uh, well, Shannon, if you remember the meditation bowl, mm-hmm. uh, we've got uh, banging chicken pie yard, you know, so we've got like a lot of these things that are reminiscent of the season. We've got, you know, Vicky always wetted a casserole. So we have a, a coated to casserole. Um, we've got a path of pistachio pie. Um, Yolanda bananas, foster there's drinks. <laughs> there's it's the interest. The thing I like about this book obviously is that Stewart is a real chef. So it's about the real housewives, but it's a real cookbook. Mm-hmm. So like the recipes aren't joke. Like the recipes aren't right. jokes. They're and inspired by jokes. Right. Yeah. The titles, the titles are, are jokes. jokes. And then Amy gives you like that nice paragraph at the beginning of each recipe, which really kind of like calls it like, remember this moment and how funny it was. And so we came up with this recipe or I came up with this recipe and Amy like puts all the funny into it. And, you know, I just remember like writing these recipes and then like, you know, the publisher would send you like kind of like the, like the fixed version and I'd be reading it and I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe you said that. Like like, I just was laughing because a lot of moments I wouldn't have remembered. And that's why I needed like an expert like Amy that, impersonated the housewives that really kind of kind of knew what was going on. I'm not going to forget vibrator chicken. You know, I mean, we have to include that. <laughs> I'm oh sure. God. I know and- Stu's always been a housewives fan too, but I obviously yeah. probably not as much of a scholar as Amy. So no. Stu, were there <laughs> times where Amy would be, say something like, we got to do the vibrator and the chicken. And maybe you forgot or like, didn't oh, yeah. was oh, an episode you didn't I, see or something. You're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, just like hundred you know, percent. I mean, I'm like, Obviously, like you and her, like the two of you, like watch all the franchises, right? Like I don't watch them all. I watch a couple of them. So like Dallas, for example, I never really got into Dallas. So yeah, no one did. all these jokes. <laughs> no, I'm like, we have to do a drink based on the roundup. Like he got it. You know, you got your D sucked at the roundup. Let's do drink sucked at the roundup. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, what are you talking about? But like, do you mind getting in a photograph that they... <laughs> Made me get in a photograph in a cowboy, and I'm like, okay, great. You look hot in that photo, Stu. Isn't that awesome? So I'm the drink sucked at the roundup. Awesome. And um, so, yes, there was a lot, but then Amy would also send me like clips from these different franchises. Like, here's the joke, here's the recipe that the joke we're pulling from this. And I'm like, okay, this is great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you do need the scholar with you when you're writing a cookbook, <laughs> especially on like something like a housewives franchise, because you'll get called out if it's not right. You know all those fans are gonna call oh, you. Yeah, out. yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Amy, are you scared about anything in the book? Like, I mean, you get away with a lot on your show. I, I've noticed, Amy, you could get away with a lot because obviously, because we all love you. But I wonder, has anyone gotten mad at an impression? Or do you think anyone with this book might get upset about something? Will you start um, drama? I will start a lot of drama. No, I'm going to mix it up. Actually, this is more of a celebration. The cookbook is more of a celebration. So we really don't drag too hard. Um, we we lightly poke fun of, I mean, you know, Teresa started it when she told said that Caroline was only a like as Italian as a uh, the uh, as the Olive Garden, you know, in her cookbook. So we kind of took a page from her cookbook and we put it in ours. And so we sort of drag everyone a little bit, but we're really just recounting history. So, like for example, ragamuffins, a happy ending dessert. You know, you'll be like, oh, I remember that Denise mm-hmm. in her happy endings. You know, and she was called a ragamuffin by Kyle. So it's kind of a a nice marriage of remembering Denise and what she brought to the show and then left, unfortunately. But I miss Denise. I, I miss know. her. I loved her. I loved her. I did I too, know. Danny. I'm, she won't be back unless Rena has gone, I think. Yeah. She would but Amy, back, but but Amy I, has anyone gotten mad at an impression at all? Or they probably all love when you... I mean, yeah, you know... <sighs> 
Hey, like Kelly dad doesn't really like me right now, um, which is fine. But, uh, you know, she she'll come for me every once in a while. She she was very happy about the impressions at the beginning. But I I talk about her on my show and I'm literally just like repeating what she has done. And like she gets mad at me for that. So I don't know. We're, we're a little in and out there. Um, uh, yeah. I, so P, some some house housewives. They either just don't say anything, they lie dormant, right. or you know they'll sur- they'll surface sometimes. Right. We'll see. <laughs> uh, I mean, there was this other book that just came out, "Not All Diamonds and Rosé." Of course, our friend Dave Quinn wrote it, and there's these rumors. Yes. I don't know if this is true, but I heard people were saying like, "Oh, Amy's going to do the audiobook, or they want I, Amy to do the audiobook." What's I what? would love to. The, you know, this came about because. Andy said that on his radio show, I think someone asked him and he said that his dream would be that I would read it. Um, so, I mean, I'm just sitting here with, like, I'm ready to answer the call. You know, if they need me, I'm ready to answer the call. But it was funny because I was like, oh, I didn't have that idea. And Gary Janetti posted to me, you should do the audiobook. And I was like, oh my God, that's such a brilliant idea. Like, that's great. I would love to do that. So I don't know. I, I did DM Andy after Chrissy Teigen did a story saying something about how she wanted an audio version. I was like, pick me, pick me, you know, oh my God. it would know. be so good. It would be so funny, but also such a, I think a lot of people really want the audiobook too. So yes, we have to make that happen. I saw somebody post on everything iconic on, on Facebook saying like, Hey, yeah, I, I'm saving all my credits. And they're like, Oh, there's no audiobook. They're like, they need to bring out an audiobook on, on his page. Yeah. Yeah. People want the audiobook. I, I just have to, you know, I was like, look, I told Andy, I'm like, look, here's the other thing. If you're worried about it being too cartoony, because like, who wants to listen to a cartoon, you know, for, you know, I would do it. 12 hours. Yeah. I was like, I can dial it back. I'm a, I'm a, I'm an actor who has a technique, you know, like I can take direction. So <laughs> I like want it so bad now. I'm like salivating over that. And I read, I loved that book, but I'm just like, oh man, if I could get Amy Phillips reading all of those voices, oh, we need it. Danny, We're going to demand it. The listeners are going to demand it now. We're going to start. For you to put your vote of confidence is so nice. Thank you for yeah. saying I'm that. I'm starting a, I don't know. What do we start? Is there, how do we do those online Change.org. Anyway. I feel like Bravo fans are always uniting to do a petition. I'm always seeing a petition that's like, usually it's about firing someone. It's like, get yeah. rid of Ramona. And it's like it's usually 30,000 signatures. <laughs> She's still kicking, but there's uh, signatures out the wazoo on the internet to get rid of her. Yeah. Um, so we need to make this happen. We, okay, you guys, anything else you want to talk about the book, about housewives, oh. or or plug anything? What else can we... I just want to say one cool thing about this book that I really, really love is in the back of the book, we have Stuart and Amy's watch party menus. And you know, now that like, hopefully the pandemic will soon come waning down, you can get together with your friends. And we have menus for like an Orange County preview, premiere party, um, an Atlanta reunion party. And we've got a menu laid out for you. It's all thematic. And then we also have random ones like Bravo, Bravo fucking dinner menu, which has like all <laughs> the different cities, meals and foods there. And um, we've got dinner party from hell. We've got a brunch menu. We've got a slutty island bachelorette menu. Just it's really fun. It can really... Um, it can definitely catapult you into a great housewives party if you want to have one. Look at this picture of you as Sonia Morgan. It's the best. <laughs> yeah, I was pulling out the, yeah. the margarita. Uh, what's yeah, the, what's your favorite recipe? What's your favorite recipe in here? Stu, what's the best oh, one? I'm always a rib guy, so I I like, I don't give a rip, ribs. Oh, that's Mama like D's. That one. <laughs> With ketchup. I love that. See, I'm like giggling. Just you say the name and I giggle. Uh-huh. And then, I mean, 
I love here's I love this recipe. It's like a grilled cheese, as Amsterdam grilled cheese, you beast. Um, <laughs> I like it because I just love that scene so much. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I'm, it's one of my favorite house I've seen. I like I'm, the ding dong dungeon cake. That's like mm-hmm. the ding dong dungeon cake was like the last um, recipe that we were able to get in. You know, we changed it so we could squeeze in there because it was Atlanta. You remember Bolo? How can we all for how can we forget Bolo and the ding dong? So. That is a real send up to Bolo. And I am obsessed with that recipe. I I imagine it was hard to stop thinking of stuff because obviously these shows keep going. And I'm sure Amy, especially as you're watching an episode, like, oh, we need that in there. We got to put that in. Just last week, it was just like the Potomac salad toss. It's like, okay, well, you know, we need a salad. We did get like, we did do a bonus booklet of four recipes from SLC. Oh yeah. We really wanted to get SLC into it, but like it was coming up to like the last like pass of the book and we're like, we just can't put it in. So if you pre-order now, you get the booklet. You get the digital exclusive for Salt Lake City recipes. We've got four, like a Shaw shake. We've got a, I love that drink. And um, it smells like hospital food. It smells like hospital food. We got some some real fun ones. <laughs> oh my god, I love it! And uh, our, our my friends, the Riker brothers, did the photos. Right? Yes, did they do the cover. They did because yeah. they shot yours as well, right? Your yeah, I, I've known I them forever. I love your cover. Okay, I am so okay. excited about your book, and Thanks you look phenomenal on it. Yeah, those Riker brothers know what they're doing. They're, they I mean, yeah, they're. Book. They're so fantastic. They did, yeah, Stu's first book. And I did the photos at, for my book at the height of the pandemic, like the worst part of the pandemic, where it was oh. like, we couldn't even have other people there, but I had to do the shoot. So it was like just the three of us. And I know them really well because uh, I've known them for years, but I it was like, I was at my heaviest weight and I, I, we got like, we did the whole day and we got like two good photos out of the whole shoot, but it was like, at least we got the two, but it I was- Fantastic. And we have a similar story because we did it during the pandemic. We couldn't have, we could barely have anyone there helping us. I was the heaviest as well, for sure. You look amazing. Well, I had to do, I was like, you got to retouch some of these. <laughs> right. I know. I, this, the like, I mean, I was like, look, this little like fat chicken leg sticking out at the end I there. So I was like, I'm so sorry, but you're going to have to do something about this. She has all these different outfits that she has to dress up. And like her day was like a full production day just to get into. These, these <laughs> yeah. And outfits. you're wearing all the wigs Hair and makeup. everything. Yeah. I just turned up in like a white chef coat. I just like, I'm just like, I'm just going to stand here. Like it was such an easy day for me, but um, it was so fun. And then we had that woman come with the dog. Oh yeah. We got a real dog that looks just like Jiggy. Cause I'm dressed as Lisa Vanderpump on the cover and looks just like Jiggy. It's amazing. What All right. wait, wait, I, I know I got to let you go, but uh, what do you think of the future of Vanderpump rules, Amy? Do you think it's going to be sticking around for a while? What do you think? I, I was really hesitant to go into it and it took me a long time to shift those gears. But I am very much intrigued by the whole Sheena, Brock, Lala situation. And now what's happening with Lala. I think it's pretty fascinating. Um, I think it does have legs. I'm, I'm surprised to be saying that because I was not excited about watching it. And I really didn't enjoy it at first. But how about you? Yeah, I, I think the season is like kind of good. Like, yeah. I, I mean, it is different. And yeah, but I think, uh, yeah, uh, the Brock and stuff. And with Sheena and her mom and that stuff is like really fast. I, I'm, I'm sort of into it right now. But I, I think if you if everyone like sort of lowers their expectations, they'll end up really loving it and yes! enjoying it. Yeah. Um, you guys, I love you both. I'm gonna let you go, but everyone's You're gonna really buy good. your book, cook it, spill it, throw it. What what's the release date of it? Tuesday, uh, November sixteenth. November sixteenth. So if people are listening to this before then, they can pre-order it. 
Uh, and then are you guys going to be at uh, doing live events? I think you're going to Barnes & Noble at The Grove, right? Yeah. we're going. If you're in LA, come see us at Barnes & Noble at The Grove, November 20th at 2 o'clock. Go see Stu and Amy. They're both gorgeous to look at. So uh, go check them out there. I love you guys. Congratulations. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Danny. love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Everything Iconic as much as I did. If you were tuning in for recaps of Winter House or Vanderpump Rules, I do apologize. We talk a little bit about Vanderpump Rules with Amy and Stu. Uh, this week's episode, to me, was a little bit uh, odd. You know, I love Charlie. Charlie's one of the greatest additions to this franchise. I'm so happy she's there. But I don't quite understand the food stuff that we're talking about. I mean, we were doing a potluck on the show this week. And I don't know if I quite got it. And I also thought last week we did a potluck, too, when we were doing that thing for Brock where Tom Schwartz is bringing all the food in. I'm like, why are we doing all these potlucks? We're doing a potluck every week on the show. Maybe that was two weeks ago. But it feels like we're doing a lot of potluck work on Vanderpump Rules. And I signed up for messy servers near a dump fighting about who's cheating on who and with the old lady in bed. And now on Vanderpump Rules, we're doing a bunch of potlucks, which I know we're evolving with the show, with the cast. I just feel like there's a, a little bit of disconnect some weeks. And some weeks last week, I thought was really good on the show. I thought Vanderpump Rules last week was uh, at, at its true form. And then this week, it was like, we're doing the potlucks. We've had a lot of pickleball. And it just is a little snoozy, uh, a snoozy some weeks. But then other weeks, we get something good. So I don't know. 
because I don't know. And Winter House, I'll be honest with you guys. I don't know if I should say this or not because you guys might yell at me. But Winter House, I'm two weeks behind. And I love the premiere, but I just don't have it in me, I don't think, to continue to continue tuning in. And I'm not sure what it is. Part of it, I think, is maybe the, the boozing on the show. I do feel like I'm watching a frat house, even though these people are in their 30s and getting close to 40, some of them, which I'm not trying to age same shame. It just feels like they're drinking a lot. And there's something a little bit uh, triggering for me with all of the drinking as I'm seeing it and they're doing it every single night. I don't know. I'm just feeling like I don't want to tune in and I want to want to tune in. And all that's to say, I will probably binge it all on a Saturday one day. I will catch up and love it. But for right now, I don't know. I'm not feeling the impulse to turn it on, to tune into Winter House. And, and that, uh, no one makes me, no one's sadder to say that than myself, you guys. I want to love all of our Bravo shows. And I know you guys are telling me you're really enjoying Winter House. And again, maybe I'll put it on and I'll love it. But as of right now, just watching all of them booze so much, those the first two episodes that I did see, I watched the first two, and I enjoyed it. But then they show the coming attraction, and they're boozing again. And I'm like, I don't know that I could do this again. I feel like I'm hungover just watching. I'm not even doing the drinking. Now, don't get me wrong. I love seeing Luke build an igloo. That's a TV gold, if you ask me. Peak TV. But the rest of the booze in his heart. And I love looking at that man, that Italian man who Paige wants to have sex with. You know, I'm happy that she wants to have sex with him. And it seems like maybe it's going to shift and she's going to want to start hooking up with Craggers or Craggy. But I don't know, you guys. I'm just feeling a disconnect and I'm not sure what it is. I want to want to like it. I want to want to like it. Anyway, you guys, that's uh, this week's show. I love you all so much for listening. Stay safe. And should we do our cheese little cool down? Maybe we should do that. Let's Let's all take a deep breath in. We can all use it. So take a deep breath in, hold it, breathe out. And let's take another deep breath in, hold it, breathe out. I just, I said I wasn't interested in watching Winter House, but we all want to want to watch these shows. And Selling Sunset is coming up. I'm very excited about that reality show. And I mentioned that to say, Everyone think of a reality show that you really do like, and let's celebrate it. I don't like to end this show on a negative note, so let's all just think about a show you like. Maybe think of the peak years of any of these shows, and and let's celebrate the good that they brought us into our lives. <laughs> I love you all so much for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>